So due diligence on a franchise will go like this. You work with me, we define your three to five options, territories are all mapped out. You're gonna go on what I call the blind dates with a franchisor, which is the first call to learn about their industry, their company, how they're growing, how they fit in, to give you some feeling of, okay, does this business resonate with me that I wanna kind of get into a courtship, right? So. Welcome to the Freedom Chasers podcast, where we bring you interviews and discussions that share the stories, successes, goals, and dreams of real estate agents and real estate investors pursuing a life of purpose and freedom. All right, guys, today I get to interview Kim Daly, and we're going to be talking about something slightly different than we normally talk about on the show. We're going to be talking about franchises and business systems and things that can maybe help you in your current business, but also if you're spending out some extra cash and you might want to have another alternate investment or a side investment that might make you money, maybe you want to diversify as the market is changing rapidly here in real estate, this might be the episode to listen to. Again, it's going to be, it's going to be a little bit different. Kim, thank you for coming on the show today. I want to start off with, you had said something pre-show, right? That more boring is more sexy when it comes to franchise businesses and just businesses in general. What do you mean by that? I love that question, Matt. I'm so excited to be your guest today. So a lot of times my very sophisticated investors will tell me the more, the more boring the business is, the better it is, like the sexier it is. And so I think what they mean by that is they're looking for more long-term sustainable like asset, right? So they understand that investing is a long-term game. And so the more long-term you can be in something like restoration or uh, garbage or junk removal, or, you know, these aren't really the things that when people think franchising, they generally think of the things as consumers we use a lot, like Subway or Jersey Mike's, like food and retail, but that's not really the sweet spot where Kim Daly likes to play. I actually prefer this sort of lower investment, low fixed cost is really the key, higher margin. And if you throw in reoccurring, that's sort of like my my perfect trifecta for a business. So, and a lot of those boring businesses have those type of characteristics. Which is interesting because in the real estate space, the recurring income generally comes off of either one of two things, right? It comes off of being an investor in property and getting a return on the rental, which can be somewhat passive, but often isn't. And then you can have like a property management business or some recurring, which is usually the farthest thing from passive ever as you're getting all the toilet calls from tenants, et cetera. Take us into like, how do you view as someone who's connecting people to franchises, how do you view real estate in comparison to other industries as far as boring and sexiness? Okay, so let's just take, how do I compare real estate to franchising first? So right, when you're in a real estate investor, it's all about being able to leverage your time, right? And scale the number of assets you have under management, right? Well, the same thing is gonna be true in a franchise. So a lot of times when you look at entrepreneurship, entrepreneurs very rarely get to a point where they can scale successfully. But when you look at franchisepreneurship, you can come in and understand that from the beginning, what one typical unit can sort of on average perform at and say, okay, well, I wanna make five X that, so I want five of those. We can begin with the end in mind and you can have a development agreement to where you're scaling those five locations over the first three to five years, right? So the, you're building, you're diversifying your investment already through multiple locations, but then you're able to scale because no one location needs the owner. Most of these franchise businesses 
uh, are more executive style leadership or ownership where the owner investor is coming in as the CEO working on the business while they hire a GM and a team of people who will actually work in the business, which then allows for that focus to be on the scale and the wealth creation rather than the, the widget, if you will, the turning of the widget every day. So to answer your question, I think that's like the first comparison, like real estate to franchising. Oh, wealth is created through scale. Okay, great. So how do we figure out like what one territory or one location of something can produce? And then how do we leverage our time and scale that to be able to build an asset that can return what we're looking for? In terms of like building a cash flowing uh, asset, we're doing that. Creating tax advantage, we're doing that. Building equity that you own and can control. So there's a myth out there that franchising, you're not building something for you, you're building it for the franchisor. Absolutely untrue. There are many franchisees that I've interviewed on my podcast that say they got their greatest ROI upon exit. If you're building something that is highly reoccurring and you can show that you're only putting in, you know, maybe 10 to 15 hours a week and you've got a great team and a retention rate of 80 or 90% year over year. And let's say you've done this for seven or eight years. I mean, that has value. That's money. You may be able to offer that to an incoming investor for to three, four, five, maybe even a six multiple of what you've built, depending on the industry you're in and the economy at the time that you're going to sell this business. So I've seen big brands that have built equity in the brand like Planet Fitness or Massage Envy. This is a whole nother reason to invest in a franchise is for that brand equity, right? So you're not just one entrepreneur building something, you're part of a much greater uh, whole and and together all of the franchisees are building that brand equity and so when that brand equity reaches sort of a peak moment which a lot of times they do again that's when owners have this opportunity to exit for super high multiples of what they built so I mean, that helps you kind of, I think, to get to your original question. And those are some of the reasons I think real estate investors are highly drawn, not to mention that in a, in a total portfolio, most truly wealthy people have a, a, a diversification of real estate assets and business assets. But to go start a business on your own is just too much time and too much money and too many unknowns. So you can invest in the proven systems of a franchise to buy down that learning curve. And then again, buy that scale into what you're building. So let's talk about who a person needs to be. I mean, you mentioned they sit in the CEO seat. And I think one thing that for people who have never really owned businesses and that have had any level of scale and like what I've learned through the challenges of scaling a business is that being a CEO isn't just putting slapping the CEO title on, right? I mean, if, if, if you claim you see yourself as a CEO, but you don't act in accordance with good CEO principles, your business will not grow. In fact, it will possibly tank, right? So in order for someone to come in and have a lot of success, who do they need to be uh, in order for it to work? That's a fantastic question. So in a franchise, Matt, you are in business for yourself, but not by yourself. So I don't need you to come with experience in an industry or even experience in owning a business or an MBA. I need you to come open, coachable, financially qualified, and a little gritty. <laughs> right? So the grit seems to be the common denominator when I ask franchisors, like what's the one thing like you're looking for? It's either competitive drive or grit, but I think they're kind of 
the same, right? It's that internal drive in you that's motivating you to push, to keep growing, right? To, to live up to the challenge because lifting a brand, starting a company, even inside a franchise where there's a proven track record, it's not going to be a better roses, right? Like it, it takes effort and time. Now it doesn't mean it has to be the hardest thing you've ever done, right? But it's, you know, it, it takes time and effort. And so um, to say that it doesn't would be a lie. So I think that I think those are the characteristics. And when you come to me, you know, as the consultant who's trying to match opportunity to you, what I'm really looking for is why are we here? I'm looking for a measure of pain in your life, right? You're to go through this process and be like, well, it would be nice to own a business. Well, I'll tell you what, save us all time and energy. You're not doing it. There's got to be some pain point like, Kim, I'm trying to build cash flow so I can quit the W-2 or, hey, you know, the, the rental property market is high right now. Inflation is high. Can't take any more debt on over there. I need but I have cash I want to deploy. I want to put it into something else right now. So I need a measure of pain and I need a vision for your future. No vision you will not go anywhere. So when people come to me, I actually just made a short on this last night. When people come to me and they're like, yeah, I looked at franchises, but I never did it. One of the reasons I think people say that is because they're looking down at the widget of the business versus at their own goals. Why do you want to own a franchise business? And if you have clearly defined personal, professional, and financial goals, and you come to someone like Kim Daly, who has 21 years of relationship and knowledge in franchising, I can take your goals and I know what franchisors or who, who's who and what's what, and I can bring the two of you together and say, I think based on what you're trying to accomplish, these three to five options kind of might match and teach you how to do thorough due diligence. So ultimately you can try to say yes or no to the business. So it's more about building an outcome for your future using the franchise as the vehicle that's driving you to the outcome versus investing in like a hobby or a passion. And that doesn't mean you're not gonna be passionate about your business. I think you're totally gonna be passionate about it, especially if the business is providing you the money you want to live the quality of life that you want. And that buys you some measure of freedom, however that's defined by you. People fall madly in love with widgets that provide those other two things. I want to dive into coachability. So when you say coachability, does that mean like follow the systems exactly as they're prescribed? What, what does coachability mean in a franchise setting? Yeah, that's a really, so that's a, another really good question. So different franchisors have different cultures. And so when I'm getting to know a candidate, this is a really critical part of my matching process that if you were out there finding a franchise on your own, you would never really be able to do this because you don't have the insider knowledge that I have. Like I know which brands are every I is dotted and every T is crossed. And if you're a super risk averse investor, that type of model is going to absolutely be comforting to you, right? A lot of my engineers, look, I've placed geologists in, in the oil and gas industry. Like when the times are good, they're good. But when they're bad, they're so passionate about their job. They don't want to go do something different, but they want to ease the ebb and flow of their industry and the layoffs, right? So they invest in things like supercuts. There's a billion dollar brand. It's not sexy, but... 
It's also never going to go up and down. Everybody needs a haircut no matter what's happening in the world, right? So, and it's a, it's a billion dollar tried and true brand. They have every I dotted and every T crossed. Now, if you're on the other end of that spectrum and you maybe you've owned businesses before and you're more entrepreneurial, you've taken risk, that type of environment could be like an albatross around your neck. It would be for me. Uh, I prefer something a little more nimble where there's enough structure to get me out of the gate so I'm not wasting time creating processes. I can move right toward execution, but there's enough freedom for me to put my own spin on it. So that's going to be more like typically more in a more emerging brand where the founder is on speed dial on your phone, right? Where maybe you're one of the first 25 or 50 franchisees. And so there's a little more implied risk because it's not as tried and true, but there's a lot more freedom for you to bring that final model, like the nuances of the business back to the franchisor and actually be contributing to the tried and true final model. So, and then there's like spectrum in between, but measuring your risk tolerance is one of the, one of the things that I do as your franchise consultant so that I'm not putting you out on the bleeding edge. (laughs) If you are, you know, super risk averse, but I'm also not boring you to death, you know, where you're just like, oh my God, this is way too cookie cutter. I, I just, I wouldn't have any passion for this. Yeah. Well, and obviously if, if a, if a brand's more nimble, right, it's, it's probably a lower price point entry. And so obviously that can come into play. Let's talk a little bit about, wait a minute. I want to correct you on that. That's not entirely a true statement, but I love that you said it because I'm a myth buster in franchising. If you go to my YouTube channel, you'll see all kinds of myth busting franchises. So the level of investment going into franchise does not correlate with how big the brand is right? Or even the potential to earn money, because that's another myth. Oh, well, bigger investment must mean I can make more. Absolutely untrue. The level of investment going into a franchise correlates to the owner's time commitment from day one, and they're inversely related. So a relatively low investment of money around 100,000, typically a home-based business owner-operator, where you have more of what I would call unlimited potential to scale. Flip that over to something that's big brick and mortar, like a Massage Envy, where inside that Massage Envy, so you have a brand, you have a great location, you have Class A real estate, right? Anchored by Whole Foods and Starbucks. So traffic is just naturally going to flow in. So that's going to be a more minimal time commitment by the owner in terms of prospecting and lead generation. That's more of a culture building, uh, you know, HR function and then strategy for future growth. So smaller time commitment, but in that particular example I gave, you have capped income because you only have like 15 therapy rooms in there, which at some point in your growth, every room you have will be booked every every hour you're open. So for that model, the scale's gonna come by multiplying the number of locations you can have versus something home-based. The scale is usually built more through teams of people or through equipment. Like, so for example, if, if you had like a 1-800-GOT-JUNK business, so that's gonna be measured by revenue per truck So in order to keep scaling, you're going to be adding more and more truck. But the idea is you enter the market with one truck and two techs, get them relatively busy, and then you buy the next truck. So you're able to continue putting cash into the business as you're growing versus a scenario where you've got a three to $400,000 build out and and then a working capital fund to keep this thing floating until you have enough revenue coming in, which for some people is 
a little bit of a hair raising experience. Every investor is a little bit different. They're all you, they're all great. They're just used by different people for different outcomes with different skills and different risk tolerance. Everyone who listens to our show knows Tim and I are passionate about obtaining financial freedom through real estate investing. We also know that everyone's situations and goals are different. And while there are programs out there that show you a path to financial freedom, many of these programs are just too cookie cutter and don't take your personality, situation, and desired outcome into account. Think about the number of times that you've watched a guru online and tried to do the exact same thing as they did, but had nowhere near the same results. You are not alone. When I got started, I was continually paying for courses and getting only partial results until I discovered the path that made sense for me. The results prove this out. Most online course creators have let us in on their dirty secrets that 90 to 95% of their students never complete their course and achieve their desired outcome. This is not something that we're okay with. The benefit of working with Tim and I is that we are interviewing between 5 and 20 people every single week. We have accumulated hundreds of seven-figure strategies and gotten inside scoop from these successful entrepreneurs. We're able to work with you to pick the strategy that will best fit and then help you create the custom plan to take you quickly into financial freedom. As a former math teacher, I always taught my students that the fastest way between two points is a straight line. If you want to get rid of the many curves in the road that can make the journey longer and more costly, then go to coaching.freedomchaserspodcast.com and book a call with us. And let's get you on a straight line path to freedom. So as a consultant, what I want to do is dive into, I mean, you're placing people in businesses. So obviously you alluded to the personality fits there, but, but you've also probably gotten a sense of like what things work. I mean, businesses in general have like a 90% failure rate, small businesses. And so obviously franchises, you know, lower that risk a little bit. But what level of systemization, what level of all of these things seems for you optimal if you had to only, you could only pick one, like what would be optimal for having a person have success in franchising? So uh, we'll first uh, mention the statistics. So every franchise that anybody would look at, so franchising is regulated by the Federal Trade Commission and the success or failure rate has to be disclosed in their federal um, documents called the franchise disclosure document. So the vast majority of franchises I work with have statistics opposite of what you said, where only about 10% of the actual failing ones, 90% are remaining open. Now that doesn't mean they're all massively successful, right? So success is defined by money and happiness and quality of life. Not everybody's in it to build a multi-million dollar empire. Some people are in it just to retire comfortably, pay their utility bill and work with their spouse. So there's a varying range of definition of success in, in the franchise business. But in terms of like coaching somebody to what's going to make you the most successful. So the first thing I would say is you've got to invest in a franchise you can more than comfortably afford. The fastest way to fail in any business is to run out of money. So money is going to be the key thing. So let's assume you've done that. The second thing would be to invest in a business. Well, so let's say the total investment by the franchisor is defined as sixty to $80,000. Ultimately, I would really want you to have one twenty to one fifty. Like so another consultant may work with you. Yeah. Yeah. Because you never, if it takes more money, where are you going to get it? If you're putting everything you have into the startup. And, and the thing here, Matt, is I'm a mindset coach, if I'm anything. And when you come at your business with any feeling of scarcity, you cannot create abundance from a feeling of scarcity. So when you have that extra pile of money that you know, if you need it, you have it, you feel abundant. But if you're like, oh my God, the clock is ticking. If we don't get there, I'm gonna run out of money. 
guess what's going to happen? You're destined to run out of money almost inevitably, right? So comfortably affording the investment and then investing in a business that utilizes the core skills that you have. So if you love business development, you love people, I don't want to put you in a business like the UPS store where you're standing behind a counter every day. You're going to die. But if you're not the person who loves being out and about and meeting people and that exhausts you, I don't want to put you into a business and I don't want you being in a business where that's the core skill that's needed by the owner, right? If you only have 10 to 15 hours a week to put into a business because you have a full-time job, well, then you got to make sure you're investing in a business where you can have a full-time GM and you can be the person who could put. So matching it to your core skill and then following the franchisor's lead, that's paramount to any business. That's like first and foremost, right? Like if the franchisor tells you to do it, I'm not saying you have to roll over and just take it, but like if you're questioning it, question it before you say yes to the franchise. But once you're in, surrender your ego, <laughs> follow their lead, do what they say, at least until you've proven yourself to be successful. And then if you think you have a better way of doing something, try it, but don't pay fees to a franchisor and then come in and be like, well, I don't like to do it that way. I'm going to do it my way. Like, what is the point? No franchisor wants you by the way, right? Like follow their lead. And I, and I laugh about it and we joke about it. And you think, why would somebody do that? But oh my gosh, Matt, it happens every single day. So, and then I think on top of that, what I've learned that's led me to go from an average performing franchisee, because I'm a franchisee, to a history making franchisee over a decade ago, was really having big, clear, specific goals. That's the first thing, right? Your own goals are your drivers, right? Like, the the franchise can be the most souped up efficient vehicle but if there's no gas in that vehicle or electricity if it's a tesla you're it's not going and the gas is the clarity of your goals and dreams so the more clear you are again the more that that car can go and then really looking at your business and understanding what are the key things that drive top performance so in my business there's probably eight or 10 different things that as an owner I have to do, but only really one or two things that drive maximum performance. And so when I shifted my focus from those other eight things to the two things in one year, I more than four times my income. And it's true. So once I did that, and I started sharing with other candidates I was working with, well, this is what I did and it worked in my business, try it in your business, and it started working for them. What I realized is it's true of every business, right? As owners, there's lots of things we have to do, but there's only a few things that should be the priority. But what happens is those things usually make us have to be a little uncomfortable, put ourselves out there a little more, like maybe they're the biz dev parts or the cold calling parts or the, right? The like the parts that make us, again, have to have to stretch ourselves versus those other things are sort of like pushing paper, busy work, but busy and productive are two different things. You want to be productive, not busy. And don't yeah. lie to yourself about it. But it, other than that, then it's just like executing. It's just the grind. It's putting your head down. Like I, back in 2011, 
when I decided, all right, I'm, I want to do something really good with my, with my business. I set this massive goal that was four times bigger than anything I had ever built. So it was not based in reality, but there's magic in that. And I got clear on exactly what drove the greatest result in my business. And I said, okay, for 365 days, I am going to come to work every day and first do these activities. And I set daily, daily goals for those things. And I would not quit and focus on the other things until I had met my goals each day. It took discipline to do that, like going to the gym, right? I can't just say I'm going to do it. I have to follow through. Now, it was when I had, when I didn't have a big pipeline, it was easier to follow through. As my, as what I was doing started to work and I started to get busier and busier. Trust me, there were many days, kind of like when you're already in shape, you're at your glow weight, you're like, I don't need to go to the gym today. I can eat that donut. But that's a slippery slope, right? You do it one day, you're like, well, and the next thing you know, it's two months and you haven't done it. But I, so I disciplined myself. I used to be a personal trainer, so and I, I love going to the gym. So a lot of my analogies go back to the gym. But so I disciplined myself to follow through even when I was so busy and didn't really need any leads because the things I was focusing on were the lead generating, the top of the funnel things. And ultimately what it did is I built the largest pipeline that had ever been built. And so statistically, you know, the more times you're up at bat, the more times you're going to win. It wasn't like my skill set you know, grew exponentially, but my income grew exponentially. So, okay. Right. And then what I said is I, for the, literally for the last 11, 12 years now, I've been mastering the art of what I did back in 2011 by focusing on. So that's when now, now that I had volume of people to work with and now I had confidence and I understood how it worked, now I can refine what I was doing to work smarter rather than harder. So for any business owner out there, the first thing you gotta do is go take massive imperfect action. It doesn't need to be perfect, you just need to do it. You learn by failing, you fail forward, you keep learning as it doesn't work more than when it does work, right? And then, and then once you've created the momentum in your business, now you can go back and start one thing, one or two things at a time, refining. Don't try to do it all. Just one or two things. Incrementally getting better is the goal, not like by big things every single year. Because I think it's overwhelming and it's not realistic. You mentioned you know, do your due diligence and then fully commit, right? And then part of that fully committing requires imperfect action. Let's talk about the due diligence process. What are the key elements that need to happen with someone doing due diligence? So due diligence on a franchise will go like this. You work with me, we define your three to five options. Territories are all mapped out. You're going to go on what I call the blind dates with a franchisor, which is the first call to learn about their industry, their company, how they're growing, how they fit in, to give you some feeling of, okay, does this business resonate with me that I want to kind of get into a courtship, right? So you come back to me, let's say I bring four to you, you ditch one, we focus on the first, the three that you really like. Now we're going to get into a courtship where I'm going to coach you on what to think about, what are the questions, who should you be talking to? I'm the resource for financing your franchise, not giving legal advice, but getting you through that FDD enough so that you can make sense of it. But you'll be working with the franchisors. So here's the thing, Matt franchises are awarded. They're not sold. This is a mutual evaluation process where these franchisors have a vision for 
bringing a brand to market. And they're looking for brand ambassadors. They're looking for people that they enjoy working with. Just like you're looking for someone that you can trust and you're going to enjoy, that's going to mentor and coach you. It goes both ways. So as you're moving through their process, so the other thing is that franchising is a process. It's systematic. Well, so should be the due diligence process. They're the leaders of the process. They don't expect you to know what you need to know. They're going to teach you what you need to know. Then once they've taught you what I call the book theory of their business, then they're going to set you loose to validate out in the real world with their franchise owners who can share their real world experiences, what they like, what they don't like, how well supported they feel, how well they're doing. And I'm going to be coaching you through kind of the psychology of talking to people because not all, not all owners are created equal. And I don't want what, you, what one person says to you to dampen your spirits, right? If everybody's saying it, that's one thing. But if one person's saying it, it's almost like it's irrelevant. So the process takes about one to two months and it concludes with a trip out to the corporate office, which is called a meet the team day or a brand visit day or a discovery day where you get to get in front of each other. You get to be immersed in the culture. If it is a fitness thing, you get to go take the class, right? There's not one in your backyard. And so you get to wear the shirt for a day, if you will. Meet the support staff, meet the people who will be there after you say yes. That's their opportunity to meet you, right? When you come back, then you will get your approval letter if you've been approved and not everybody gets approved. So you get your approval letter and now it's yours to say yes or no to. And then you typically would be engaging within seven to 14 days, meaning signing your franchise agreement, paying your franchise fee. And that's when I sort of walk you down the altar, kiss you off to your bride, your, your groom, and off you go. And, uh, and now the franchisor takes your hand and leads you through phase one of ownership, which could be looking for real estate, or if you're in a non brick and mortar type business, it might be ordering equipment, getting you through some at home training, which then will lead to a week of in classroom training, you know, maybe applying for licenses if you're, you know, doing something that requires a special license. So all of that stuff happens after you say yes. What's your vision for your life and business next 12 to 18 months? Ooh, so I'm sort of at a turning point. I've been doing what I've been doing for 21 years, which is a really long time. Who knew that this would be like such an amazing thing for me? Um, as you know, Matt, you com you commented on my social media. I've been really, really busy and focused on building my own social media content. I really have a heart to be the business coach that I know these franchisees need. So franchisors coach franchisees but franchisor coaching is more like operational. And it's sort of like, are you are you a parent, Matt? You, you look mm -hmm. too young, but are you, are you a dad? Yeah, four, four kids. You, oh, you do? Oh my gosh, you look so young. Okay, so, so in, 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 do any of them play sports? Uh, one will, uh, but I, I mostly have girls. They're in the arts, the theater. Okay, so where I was going is that like, sometimes I have two teenage boys. And so sometimes like when I say something, it's like whoosh, over their head. But when the coach says it, yeah. oh, mom, I'm like, oh, really? Really? Could have been the exact same thing I was saying, but it goes, it falls on deaf ears. Well, franchisee-franchisor relationship is sort of like parent-child, right? So 
I think that I have a voice that people, because I'm unbiased and I'm outside of that environment, and I've been a franchisee now for 21 years. And so, and I've also been a small business owner as an entrepreneur for the first five years, and then the last 21 years as a franchisepreneur. So I feel like I have um, a really good grasp on success and how franchisors work, and I can be that voice that franchisees will actually listen to and hear. So I am doing a lot of keynoting at franchise conventions now, which is sort of my first foray into like, how is this going to go? How does this feel? But I, over the next 12 to 18 months, it's a very pivotal time, Matt, because I may very well transition my entire business to uh, business development courses away from the franchise consulting part maybe only working with like referrals on on the uh on that part and you know again spending the majority of my time doing things where i'm coaching after the yes but i don't know it sort of remains up in the air right now right it's a fun place to be you're in, you're on the journey it is yeah. i actually have a piece of paper on my desk what does kim want i think the clarity is the most important part but in and while that question seems so easy like well you know what you want if you really ask yourself, what do you want? It is an incredibly hard question to answer because you're like, well, I want it all. But yeah. what does that mean? Yeah. What does that mean, Kim? And, and here's what I've learned. The minute that I get crystal clear, I will be on the path and I will see. I don't have to know how to do it. I just have to know what. The how reveals itself when you know what. Because ask it, it is given. It's a biblical principle. So when you know what you want, you're implying that you're asking and then it is given and the path will come to you. So I'm in the what does Kim really want phase for the next probably 10 to 15 years of her life. The second kind of half of my career, I turned 50. And so what am I going to do now? And I do think that as my kids mature, they they see they know business ownership through mom and they have expressed interest that we'll definitely be investing in franchise businesses together that's definitely part of my future but that comes a little bit later because they're still in high school awesome well cam thank you so much for coming on the show guys if you're listening maybe the lesson is more you know more boring and is more sexy right maybe it's uh doing the right due diligence maybe it's like how do you align your personality with the opportunity or maybe you could take lessons from what we talked about today and apply them to your existing business as far as creating systems and processes whatever it is write down something you learned from the day share it with some with someone you know so they hold you accountable because freedom is acquired one action at a time and if you take steps day by day before you know it you too will be living a life of freedom thank you guys for tuning in we'll catch you on the next episode Please like, comment, share, and subscribe. Engagement is like gold to us. We can't do what we're doing without it. Reviews and subscriptions, particularly on Apple, Spotify, and YouTube, are worth more than money. So please do what you can to support the show. 